Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 290 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. And I'm joined today by someone I was delighted to chat to. Um, he's a wrestler. But if you're not a wrestling fan, then don't go turning away. Because um, I think you're going to love this one. Um, I mean, before I get into it, I'm joined by Jack Sexsmith. But before I, I get into it, um, huge love for the response to the recent episodes the, the, the Louis Theroux episode, the Kano episode, uh, the Frank Turner episode, the Sarah Pascoe episode, the Joe Gilgan episode. They've all been some of the most popular response-wise episodes I've done. So big love for that. But yeah, so Jack and I s- sat down and we ended up talking for two hours. So you know it's a good one when, when it goes on long. So we've had to, I've, I've split it into two, the first part out now. And the second part will be out at midday. Um, so I'll tell you a, a bit about the first part. I'll keep this intro brief, and then I'll I'll probably keep the outro brief. Then do the I don't know. We, we will figure it out. But in this half, we talk about um, essentially Jack's life and his history, and the kind of first half of his of his career. I mean, we start with sadly the end of his career, um, Jack recently sustained an injury that has meant he's had to stop doing what he's put years and years into and got to a really good place in um so yeah it's a really interesting one for that but we also talk about the importance the reason as as a lot of you know i don't generally have wrestlers on anymore because of tuesday night jaw um i don't have many wrestlers on because a tuesday night jaw is a wrestling podcast on the network and i think that's the the perfect place for wrestlers but jack's story for me transcends wrestling because it's what he's done for the lgbtq uh community and the work he's done there within wrestling which as we'll get on to in part two isn't always traditionally an lgbtq uh friendly arena as such so i really think the stuff he's done there is important um and then, yeah, as as said, uh, we talk about his injury and how that's all, how he's had to deal with that and how that's impacted him. So, yeah, the first half is a hell of a chat. I won't ramble on uh, t- too much. As I said, it's a two-parter. If this is your first time ch- tuning in, previous r- r- wrestling guests include Eddie Dennis, Chris Jericho, uh, Jim Smallman, Jack Gallagher, Will Ospreay, so there's some good some good previous wrestling guests in there. Um well worth a look into the back catalogue. And as I said, if you're if it's your first time here and you're a wrestling fan, go and have a look at Tuesday Night Jaw. It's a wonderful wrestling podcast on the network. Um couldn't be prouder to have it on there. Um I'll leave it there. As you might hear my voice is about to give away. I've been in bed ill for two days, so I'm recording this intro as last minute as I can <laughs> and trying to get enough of, of my voice. But, but I'm losing it already. So, um, yeah, the usual things, speechdevelopmentrecords.com is where you can buy merch and patreon.com slash pip is where you can pledge a dollar a month. Anyway, forget all that. Let's hear part one of the Distraction Piece episode 290 with Jack Sexsmith. Structure. This piece of fiction is the intro to the structure. 
Right, I'm going to take my headphones off, I think, and just um, chat away. So I'm joined today by or Jack Sexsmith. That's how I've always known you, so I assume that's how I'm going to... That is fine by me, ...refer sir. to you. That is fine it's, by me. It's an interesting one with, with wrestlers, and it's weird because every industry I've ever been in or involved in it seems to have it that half my musician mates aren't going by their real name. Right. All my wrestling mates aren't going by their real name. <laughs> my partner, all of a lot of the, the, the models and sex yeah. industry all have fake names. Yeah. It's like I'm always on the side of I don't want to know your real name. I want to. I've known you as Jack Sexsmith. I'll go with that. Yes, yeah, my partner will every now and then will be. Oh, I was talking to whoever, and I'll be like, hey, yeah, yeah. Right? No, it's a it's a Dahlia Black. Man. I was like, oh, Dahlia. Oh, I know yeah, Dahlia. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know who you're you're talking about otherwise, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a complex industry. Mm. So, I mean, we're we're here to have a big old chat. And I kind of, uh, when I was planning it last night, I figured the best place to start is at the end as such because it's why this has come about. Fair. Um, and then I want to go through everything and then look at the future and stuff like that. So I was at a Riptide show recently and you had to make a fucking heartbreaking announcement. And it was after that I kind of messaged you saying, look, if you want to come on a chat at any point, when you're ready, there's no rush. <laughs> so do you want to kind of explain what's what's happened there? Yeah, it was um, it was a tough one. It was an incident at a show in Newcastle called Defiant that mm-hmm. I'd recently sort of gotten into. And I just landed... I don't know if I've mentioned that you're a wrestler. Jess, I should mention that to make that clear at the start. Anyway, you, continue. Yes. <laughs> you're hitting it at it with the aliases yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, and I just did a a move I've done a thousand times before, yeah. uh, sliced bread, and I landed it pretty normally. I don't think there's too much off of it. I just felt a pop. Right. And thankfully, that was the end of the match, so I managed to get back to the locker room and sort of ice it briefly. Um, but something I knew was up um, because I had to do a match later on that evening, Yeah. which was just um, it was only a small part in a Royal Rumble-type match. Yeah. And as I went to tighten up my laces, I realised I couldn't really bend down. Right. And went, nah, there is something dodged there. So, yeah. And I knew I was supposed to be working the next day, and I think I realised then, okay, I'm going to do this rumble match, and then um, I'll have to speak with that guy because I don't think I'm going to be able to do this one. Yeah. And then upon exiting the ring, being thrown out over the top rope of that rumble match, I think I landed off again and just um, didn't feel so much of a pop that time, but knew that I'd let a tweak something I'd fallen unnaturally that time. Yeah. Um, was it was already compromised. Yeah, then? so I knew I knew something was up, but um, I didn't quite realise the extent of it. So before I'd even really started wrestling, I'd had my ACL in my left knee um, replaced. Right. So um, that was a complete tear. Went in for the surgery. They cut out your hamstring. They fold it round a few times and then put a bolt at the top of your leg, bolt at the bottom of your leg, and your hamstrings, your new ACL. Oh, wow. Um, so maybe part of me always knew I was kind of on borrowed time with the wrestling. Yeah. Maybe part of me did. Um, it's tough, isn't it? Because you can always, in those situations, you'll always get the stories of, oh, no, it's, it's stronger than ever now. I've had this done, it's stronger than ever. Yeah. But, again, there's always going to be that slight, if it's, if it's happened once, not that it's a a weakness in, in you or whatever, but it's something that you're susceptible to. So it's always going to be that slight fear. Yeah, slight. I think um, the example I remember the surgeon gave me 
was like, um, I said, do you reckon I'll ever be able to do sports at a decent level again? And he said, um, do you remember the footballer Robert Perez? He had, yeah. this, he had the same thing that you did. Right. And before the surgery, he was one of the best players in the Premiership. And after surgery, he just wasn't quite the same. Right. And that's, that's, that's kind yeah. of what it is, is you just don't move quite as smoothly as you would have done before. Yeah. Um, and I think you could tell that from my arsenal as a professional wrestler that I never really explored the fancy. <laughs> yeah, or, 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 or that was one of the the, the beautiful things. Again, I think everything, restrictions can be a massive blessing to creativity and to, to pushing boundaries and I, stuff like that. And I think if you did feel even incorrectly, if you feel you had restrictions physically, it pushed you to more than make up for it in so many other areas I, of what is a professional wrestler. I, I um, yeah, I'm liable to agree with that. I think it, um, I think the slots I had on shows at the time were very much either comedy centric, yeah, or were just not making up numbers on a card because everybody's there for for merit. Everybody's yeah. there on merit, um, but we're not designed to be the explosive all action affairs. Yeah, so um, that sort of suited me in trying to find something else that I could really connect with an audience with. Yeah. Anyway, so I cancelled that show that I had on a Sunday and I realised something was wrong. I had to stay in a hotel that night uh, and I woke up in the morning my leg was like treble the size. My knee was wow. treble the size. I was like, okay, yeah, there's definitely something here. Yeah. So um, after that... It must that, be tough, right, because you, you get bumps all the time. in re- Like, you, yeah. you're constantly injured. You're working, kind of you're working hurt yeah. all the time. The so difference be between tough... hurt and injuries are yeah. very, very different things in wrestling. So particularly when you're more experienced, there must be a... A tough one to go right. Am I actually hurt, or am I? I'm hurt, mm. but am I hurt? So, it was. I'm a, yeah, it was like, well, this one hurts, but can I still do my matches? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, just say beat up the other knee or something. You know what mm. I mean? Um, it was always easy enough to overcome. Like I'd wrestled matches with a torn bicep. Yeah. Yeah, I've wrestled with when I've torn a, the cartilage in my knee a little bit, and just been like, okay, I need yeah. to get over that pain. Um, Adrenaline's a hell of a drug. Yeah, but you, you love you love the game. Yeah, you love yeah. the show, so you, you're willing to. You know you're going to hurt in the morning. Yeah, but it's all worth it for that. Yeah, completely. Because the fan, you go out after the show, and the fan will get you a drink, and that's your painkiller anyway. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it, it, it later. But that sentence alone tells me that you would trained by Jimmy Havoc. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of everything I knew man. Like, yeah. <laughs> but anyway we'll get we'll get to all that, that later see you woke up and your and your leg was was yeah not right so I, I knew I knew like from the pain I'd had before with the ACL going yeah. all them years before I thought this might be something actually a little bit similar so there's the first time I really got a bit worried mm. Even with the pop and then the swelling, that was the first time I was like, this pain is is familiar. Yeah. And then I got the MRI scheduled and I my sister is um, a sports physiotherapist type thing. She's going to kill me for not getting her title right. <laughs> um, and she had a brief, briefly sort of like explored the knee as best she could to test the ligaments and that as well while I was away in the MRI. Um, and she said, I think there's more than just that one that's gone there, actually. Right. So that sort of worried us. Yeah. Um, and then after I got the scan done, and then the day before the Riptide show, so I'd already informed Riptide, I think the ACL's gone, I think I'm going to be out for a little while, actually. Yeah. But if it's just the ACL, I'll do that one match with Spike. Yeah. If it's just that, I'll tape it up, I'll strap it, I'll 
do everything I can, and then I'd get that yeah, one. Because that's what was extra heartbreaking was the timing of it all. And again, mm. we'll go into all of this, but Riptide was an organisation that was really on the up, and you were yeah. one of the key people on the up, and you'd kind of you'd you'd in in you in your helping them be on the up, you'd got to main event level kind of thing, and it was it was this big. It was a big moment, and it was weird because, as you said, it all played out in real time. I saw you tweet and saying, I've got the scan today. I'll be there tomorrow, one way or another. And it's that kind of blurring of reality and storyline because you're like, even when you came out, me and and B was sat there, and B was like, is he he serious? Is this real? Or is it? I was like, no, I'm pretty sure from the emotion of everyone, it's it's real. But, yeah, so it was Um, right. It was... It was reality at that point because you're letting people know, look, it's a good chance I'm not going to be able to do what. Because again, that's just responsible because people have paid. The, do you know what I mean? They're, they're paying yeah. customers, all that kind of. You're like, right, here's what's going on. I'll be there, but yeah. I don't know yet. I, so I, you, you then we they they made a point because I I let them know however far in advance that I think um, through June. Cause, yeah. yeah. So May 25th was when the injury happened, and then the show wasn't until the 5th of July. Right. So I'd let them know. As early as late May, yeah. there's a bit of an issue here. But once I get the ins and outs of it, I reckon I could get that one and then I'd need time for the surgery and what have. Yeah. And then getting the results from the surgery, they said that's it's not just the ACL that's gone, it's the PCL, it's wow. the MCL, and it's all your cartilage in your knee. Wow. Um, that is the sort of thing that... Even after the surgery, if you want to be walking in your fifties, you can't really do this anymore. Yeah. So um, that was that was really really tough to take. But yeah, I, I think can imagine. I didn't. Oh, yeah, it was just a numb. It was just a numbness. Yeah. I was going to say feel numb, but I was listening to your songs earlier, <laughs> and I was like, you're right. That is a par- that is a paradox. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just overwhelmed with a numbness, but at yeah. least I knew I had to. Look at the show. I contacted Riptide. I explained everything to them. They said, "Don't worry. We want to give you this platform to to explain it to people." Yeah. Um, and I was very, very grateful of that. Actually, to be able to address that publicly, particularly at a place like Riptide, which was home for yeah. me, very yeah. much so home. Or well, it very much felt like you, <clears throat> M- M- Mambo, TK, Spike were all people I'd seen at Progress and around. And when I saw you at and, and, and Candy Floss, I'd thrown there as well. When I saw you at Riptide, I was like, "Oh, they're different here." Kind of yeah. thing. It's like they, 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 they've got that room. And again, it's another thing that we'll get into. It's what I think is the beauty of NXT UK and all these other things of pulling people up. It gives other people room to to to, to flourish. And it felt yeah. like that was Riptide was made. And I know. TK will insist it was him alone, but yes, was made by on you, Chuck, TK, Spike, these kind of characters, and and Kara, and who were really, yeah, the lifeblood of that. It so. was a, it was a really interesting and smart model that um, Riptide had because I remember the first so me versus Spike was their first ever match, right? And uh, I remember speaking with uh, the promoters at the time that. They were starting up and going, I think you should use me. I'm the LGBT guy. Yeah. This show is running in Brighton. If I can't get over here, I'll probably just quit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and who better to be against than, 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 than the right-wing so Tory kind of I was so, character of Spike? I was, it was, we were both so in yeah. on this story because it was such overt oppositional factors. And as, as you say, 
a location wise there's and no one who will be hated easier in that location yeah. and no one who will be loved easier it so was, it's like it's it was perfect because we just came out there we had a match um but the environment and the connection that we both had was so visceral yeah and it was just yeah two pillars of opposite sides of the spectrum with it yeah um and the the riptide original model was we're going to have these superstars so i think it was osprey and shane strickland that closed yeah. that show and then their second show, they had BSS and Cole Cabana and Candice yep. LeRae and Joey Ryan Amazing. and then Matt Riddle and Keith Lee and that. So their model was we get people in the door with the stars and then all the while we're going to slowly build this Spike and Sexsmith thing. Yeah. And then through work, through quality work and just improving as a talent, Mambo started getting some real momentum with the fan base. Yeah. And we spoke about how we could involve Mambo in our story to a point. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of that first, second year, we suddenly, Riptide suddenly had no real need to bring in these superstar brand names yeah. because they'd built three people as a minimum with Candy Floss and TK coming up as well. Yeah. Um, that would sell out shows on their names alone. I, I love it because it's. And again, I keep saying we're going to talk about it, but there's there's so much. Everyone knows that that anytime there's there's wrestling on the podcast, I'm I'm happy to talk for hours and hours. <laughs> but it's the work that Progress and ICW and people like that did of building storylines into a product that wasn't on TV. So therefore, you'd imagine it's hard to build a storyline. I love that that's birthed things like Riptide. That's that from its conception can say, right, here's what we're going to do. This is a storyline that we're going to build from day one, and here's how we're going to plan it. We're going to have these names to bring them in. It's a beautiful thing, and it's worked. Like yeah. even better that it's worked because it's like right, we can do that. It, it's it's the thing. I think like, the the bravery involved in knowing you're going to make a loss on your first few shows as well. Yeah, and I but mean to commit to the product and know that we've. We're going to build something here, and now to flourish is so impressive. Yeah, I mean the names you mentioned: Osprey, Strickland, Joey Ryan, yeah. Keith Lee, Riddle. Other than Will, who's often at that point would have been in the UK, none of them are UK based. No. So they're names that are, uh, command and deserve a decent fee, but will also have flights attached to that, yep. hotels attached to that. So that's it is a big to say. Yeah, it's saying yeah, you're going to have to have some. You're going to have to be prepared to, to, uh, to lose for a bit. I think I think as well, something about Riptide is um, they go above and beyond to provide for their yeah. talent. There's yeah. there's a hairdresser backstage. Yeah. There's a full-blown catering set up. There's a, there's, there's a, a massage person. There's, there's, a, there's a, a masseuse and that, but then all of their local talent, Look how they say... how I am saying the word masseuse. It's, <laughs> it's like there's a massage person. <laughs> the connotations of... Ooh. Yes, if we needed them, they were there. <laughs> but they just they went above and beyond to provide for not just their superstars, but everybody that was on a show, because everybody on the show to them was a superstar. Yeah, did, did, did that influence where you made... The announcement then. It that was a big thing. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that was the place where I'd built my biggest connection other than perhaps Progress. Yeah. But um, I was no longer working for Progress. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. And it was, so it was, and I don't, even then, I don't think it was ever a debate. I was yeah. going to do it at Riptide. Yeah. I mean, again, how... How is that moment? Because, again, it's such a blur of, of, of reality and storyline. It's st- 
storyline kind of goes out the window at that point because you're having to pour your heart out and yeah, say it it's, was, it's over. It was um, a really tough... I don't even really want to call it a promo. Yeah, It was just me in a ring with a microphone because as a promo, it's a bad promo. <laughs> like there's no inflection, there's no quality to delivery. Yeah, I just start rambling, yeah. really, but um able to say my piece. Yeah. Um, Understandably, I, it's, it's emotional. It's, yeah, no, know, it's, it's not... the artist in me is looking back yeah. and going, it's bad work, you know, it's <laughs> a bad delivery. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did, again, felt nothing the whole time. I was half expecting to sort of really break down when I was there in right. the ring. I was half expecting to get back through curtain and break down again or something. But it wasn't until the day after that I allowed myself to read some of the messages and the tweets mm. and stuff like that that had come through. Um, oh, what was the the picture or gif you posted? Because that had me in bits. Oh, man, the um, Doctor Who one. Yeah, I yeah, don't want to go. I don't want to go. Because that's, yeah. that's just in my head. <sighs> man, <Yeah>. that was, <laughs> again, it's the power of, of social reading and, again, the power of promos and, and work because that was, that was a good, that was, that was a perfect tweet. Again, it's weird that tweet that Twitter and social media is part of the wrestling industry it, now. Yeah, and, no, and it, it really can is. be a key part. So if you look at, what's it, Sheldon Freud had just put on their um, yeah. wild Tuesday Night Graps yeah. show the other day and that just the power of that through social media and the way in which they've marketed that yeah. as this wacky standalone entity. Yeah. But it's must-see. It's absolutely must-see. Completely. Or they're doing, I don't even know what, the, is it called... Uh, uh, are they calling it Banda Graps? Or they did is, a Banda ba- match. Banda match. match. So they'd, they'd pause partway through and the fans would vote on Twitter polls or something. Again, it's amazing. It's just, I saw the promo for it. I was like, I don't know what that is <laughs> no. or how it works, but I need to know. Yeah, need to the, see um, the Black Mirror parody. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's just like, that's the, that's the genius of someone like Chris Brooks. Yeah. His yeah. mind and his ability to, his application of branding yeah. is second to none. Yeah. Second to none. To, to have... Bless him, Lycos get hurt. Yeah. And to see him have to perform in tag matches, whereas where he knows he's at his absolute best. Yeah. Um, and have to reincarnate that and with CCK becoming somewhat diluted, that yeah. might sound harsher than I wanted no, no, to. That makes sense. But to then create, create something like Schadenfreude. Yeah. And then have, again, another hottest brand in the game. Yeah. Is just testament to how spectacular his mind is. Um, uh, uh, one of the times I've marked out the most in the last year or so is when Chris on Twitter or somewhere complimented my merch game. Really? Because, like, again, cause again you know how good they are Mate. at it. So it's one of them where it's like respect is there yeah, already. Yeah. So it's like, all right, cool. Oh, wow, thanks. okay, I'm That's on good. the right track. This is, yeah, yeah, this is nice. When I, when I started up the Proud Apparel label, yeah. Uh, God, every every day I was messaging Chris. What do you what do you think of this? What do you? How would you go about that? And he was, he was fantastic to me. A lot of time for Chris Brooks. So so you 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 got more emotional when it started to become a reality on Twitter again. I think there's a weird thing because within promotions, promotions are their own world. Essentially, mm. you can have a storyline in one promotion that isn't in another promotion. So, social media is all of them. Yeah. So I can completely see how. You could have even subconsciously compartmentalised it at the Riptide announcement because it's like, well, it's Riptide. That's that's its own world. Yeah, it's I only have to be this there. way because this yeah. is who I am at this place. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's it's you can protect yourself in a way from the emotion of that because it's I'm at work. Yeah, it's 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 its own world. But then when it's on social media, it's 
it's everyone's world and it's mm. it's the reality and the the outpouring was huge i want to give a quick sh- sh- shout out to Charlie Morgan as well because she yeah. uh, was it almost the same week or it weekend was, or no, it was the week before the week before she had um, a similar and I didn't I didn't even see it online yeah. until after I got my results mm-hmm. and then I messaged I messaged her and went me and you were doing nothing for the durability of gays yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> this, is, this is bad you know <laughs> yeah yeah um, I was like, oh, I'm going to step on your toes with a bloody announcement about retiring as well. This doesn't feel fair. This doesn't feel yeah. right. But um, she's another one. She's amazing girl. An yeah, amazing, complete, girl. amazing talent. And again, heartbreaking because she was just starting to get in the NXT UK a stuff as a feet. really young, yeah, uh, amazingly athletic. Again, the world at the feet is the perfect description there because yeah. it felt like the options are endless with someone like that. The characterization of. Um, Charlie Morgan is stunning. Yeah. And then when you tie that in with being an LGBT ambassador, yeah. it just took it onto another level because look, she allowed herself to be vulnerable by being the real her. This is going to sound stupid, but looks cool as well. She looks... That really helps. I mean. she's, she's got this... Chris Brooks, again, simple example. He looks cool in it there. He just does, doesn't he? If, even if he was rubbish, you'd be like, he looks... Yeah, no, I, looks, kind of, I need yeah. to watch this guy. He looks yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to... Wish fulfillment. So I want to identify with that. with that. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Morgan's... Um, Depiction of masculinity and hybrid of masculinity and femininity. Yeah, with with her with her brand is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. So so uh, that's when it all kind of hit you, and you had to um, accept it. I guess. Do you, do you, this is going to sound like an odd one, but do you think it helped that so much was wrong injury wise? If you know, what I mean, like it wasn't like it was like, oh, is this the end? Is this not? It was like the fact that it's your ACL. It's going yeah. through the list. It's like right, I'm. It's not giving me the option of going, oh, maybe I can work through it, yeah. or maybe I can do this. It's like, no, this is kind of definitive. It took the choice out of your hands, I, in a way. I know, what you're, I know what you mean. I think a part of me was quietly like, the battle's over. Yeah. So instead of having to do multiple surgeries or something like that over the course of two years and then coming back and then hoping you're still relevant in some way and reinventing from there, yeah. that struggle was taken away from me. So maybe the news was cathartic to a point. Yeah. But it still really hurts to not be able to do what I love doing. Yeah, exactly. And 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 again I was discussing it with John who's who's work in the studio here before and because he's, he's he used to watch a bit of wrestling he yeah. doesn't and I was just saying it's that it's and again I I don't want to I mean I'm it feels like I'm piling in and getting <laughs> highlighting how hard it is but it's something that you've worked really hard at for a really long time to say to have that taken away and then have to start thinking right what can i do now what is tr- transferable skills because again it's, it's wrestling t- there's, there's not a lot <laughs> there's, no, there's, you're gonna have to look hard to find gosh, the transferable skills if you want to go elsewhere People, bless people, people like um, promotion in Liverpool called TNT messaged and said, um, we want you aboard our commentary team. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll tell you, give me a similar situation. Yeah. So give me a few weeks, let me process, and then and then we'll take it from there. Uh, I accepted the post. But do, being able to do an in-ring promo or be able to do a wrestling match, that's not a transferable skill to be able to commentate. It's a world Not of at difference. all. Do you see how many footballers, how many footballers, are actually successful or decent pundits in the end yeah. of the day. Not that many. It's so hit and miss. It was bizarre recently. There was a, a pile on on hate and, and then of love on, on Renee Young 
on, on her commentary yeah. and I couldn't understand it because literally the week before I was talking to my mate saying, I don't remember someone who's adapted to it so quickly. So quickly. I think she's amazing. I think yeah. just from, from – and again, it's a completely different skill of being the backstage interviewer yeah. to commentating on matches. And I think she's been amazing. I but think she's it's, great, not, yeah. it's not an easy thing. She, she, it's not, what was her statement as well? Just, I'm, I'm literally learning on the job and the biggest platform in, in yeah. the industry. Yeah. Very her, few people the, get to do that. That current booth, her, Corey and, and – um, Cole. And Cole – it's my favourite in ages, and oh. and it's kind of turned me on the because it was called to hate Cole for a long time, yeah, yeah, because he wasn't Jr. or he yeah. wasn't this or he wasn't that. But that booth, they just rib each other constantly, mm. and it's so entertaining to me. Even when potentially the product in ring isn't necessarily to my tastes, mm. a lot of the time they save a lot of that yeah, for me because no, they're, they're just it. having a right old yeah. dick about. And a I laugh. think it's it's um, I, do you know it's like. It is like a podcast, though. Yeah. Like, if the subject matter isn't great, you can, but you can feel the energy of the interaction between the two. Completely, it doesn't right. matter. Hearing I'm just in on it, hearing like, which one of them it. is holding in laughter, yeah, is constantly entertaining, when, and it'll be all three. They'll vary. Yeah. When, when um, was it? Graves says the small package thing yeah. after um, uh, Spud's yeah. um, <laughs> sex skit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you should see Renee have to turn away, and she's <laughs> like, "You two, you three are just enjoying yourselves out there, yeah. aren't you?" So. Yeah. And that's beautiful to see. But also it's beautiful to see that, although it's not a given, these things are transferable and movable. Corey himself yeah. was an yeah. in-ring guy. That he's and, he's someone know, I'm looking at at the minute and just sort of going... Um, he was an in-ring guy that didn't have the look or style of any commentators yeah. that have come before him. So it's not this easy... Oh, like the example I always think of is, is Chow Sonnen in the UFC. Yeah. You always see him go, he could go into commentary easy. He's yeah. such a good talker. <clears throat> it makes sense. He's smart. It'll all work. Whereas Corey was with someone you'd, if you were looking at him back then, you go, well, I don't particularly see him as a commentator. That's bizarre. Rem- I don't even remember any of his promos or no, anything no, like that. No, nothing. But again, he's shown that there are there are these options if it's mm. if it's right if it's at the right time. So let's before we get on to what's ahead, I guess let's rewind all the way b- back to kind of the start of the journey and. As a kid, like, were you always into wrestling? Was wrestling always something you enjoyed? Was it something you found later on? Or? Um, it was probably around about like eight, nine-ish. I saw mm-hmm. a, a match once, which was, I think it was, my dad had Sky Sports. My mum and dad separated, but when you went to dad's, he had Sky Sports, so you yeah. didn't really care that you went with mum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I remember just being up, unable to sleep one night, and then just seeing Road Dog. Yeah. Road Dog was never super athletic. No. But he was just beating someone up. But yeah. it looks so fun. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know whether this is a real fight or what. I'm a child. Yeah. Um, but I knew I liked it. Yeah. I didn't really like fall in love with it immediately. I don't think I really paid it too much attention after that. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's like the, yeah, that sort of circus act thing. Um. Anyway, a few years later in the build-up to WrestleMania 17, I got well into it. Right, real, real into and who it. Who was who was at the at the forefront then? Who was so? Uh, it would have been Angle had the belt. Yep. I despised him. Yeah, I was just like, who is this whingy little prick? Oh yeah. God, he keeps finding a way to win. Yeah, and he's quite good. So, <laughs> so why is he to undercutting? Oh, it was perfect. Um, yeah. and then you had someone like The Rock. Yeah, and then Austin came back. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know who this is at first. And then I went and watched some older stuff, and I went, Oh, he seems. Brilliant. <laughs> and it's one of them things as well that 
the shorthand in wrestling is amazing. Like you don't need to know who Austin is. As, as soon as that glass breaks and you see the crowd re- react, right. you can't help but absorb just that excitement. Going, yeah, he come back, and then that that happened at the Survivor Series pay per view of that year, and um, just went, "Wow, he's he's a big deal, isn't he?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, it is one of them things that the more you get into it, the more you learn about it, the more enjoyment you get out of it. I yeah. feel that with mixed martial arts as well. I feel the more you understand the ground game, the stand-up, yeah, the submission game, the more you'll get an enjoyment out of every moment. Yeah. And and wrestling couldn't be a, a better example of that. I've, I've told this story a few times, but it it, it cracked me up because it was a real, a real eye-opener. An MMA journalist I follow on Twitter, her, her son is becoming a big wrestling fan. She's watching a few events with him and, t- and tweeting live. And she tuned into the Royal Rumble, which is... Which, Probably my favourite event of the oh, year every same, year. Mate, I saw it. It's just the best in it. But she pointed out because she doesn't know who any of these people are. M- most of the Royal Rumble is just counting. Yeah, because if you don't get the payoff, <laughs> if you don't get the payoff excitement of when it's revealed who's coming out, True. if she's just like it's another person, it's yeah. like, and then two minutes later, all of us are counting again. Yeah, it's like, it's like an hour of counting. That's I was like, amazing. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that at that's all. Fantastic. But it's complete because the in-ring in rumbles generally isn't that amazing for no, a lot no, of it. But yeah. then. There's a lot of counting. Anyway, so that that was, I mean, that's the kind of, it's the the much romanticised attitude era that, um, yes. that dr- 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 dragged you in. And and what better time, right? The, the richest the, characters, the most boundary pushing, for th- better or worse. I think the first pay-per-view I ever got on, like, it would have been VHS at the time, yeah. was the Hell in a Cell Armageddon right. with the six of them. Yeah, wow. And just, like... You see, the undercard was was still great, but it was relatively depleted because they put their six big guns in this one match. Yeah. But then the, that match had like, was it Taker, Angle, Rock, Austin, Triple H, and Rikishi? Yeah. I was just like, who are they? Like, I was just so in. And then the next show after that, I think, was the Rumble, and yeah. that Rumble just was the best Rumble I can remember. Yeah. That one where yeah. Austin takes it at the end. Yeah. And then you build to Rock Austin at Mania. It's just. Wow, that's a hell of a, a, a station to get on the train at. I know, you yeah. Know what I mean, I you're know. really straight to, in at this. The build to Mania Seventeen, yeah, yeah man. I did that's right amazing. There. So, also the, the the good thing there is, you were at a period where they were experimenting a lot uh, with characters, with with pushing boundaries, with what they could do, and that again, that feels like a good point to come in because you're seeing people like, I mean. I guess that's the end of that main Shawn Michaels era. But I thought I think he's been one of the most fascinating characters from going from being a bit of a jock to being almost asexual to being yeah. in antagonistically sexual in every way. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like he could go anywhere with stuff. And that kind of is it, obviously I'm dancing around that because when you, I, one of the reasons I felt this was an important podcast is not to to. Um, blow smoke up your ass, but I think the impact um, on independent wrestling and many other things as Jack Sexsmith, the pansexual phenomenon that you're, you you have had and will continue to have is huge. I genuinely think it's, it's, it's huge and uh, there's sprinklings of those things in that era of wrestling. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. may not have been at the forefront, but there's people who are, as I said, gold dust who's, confusing the lines of his, his sexuality yeah. and whatever else. And again, sometimes 
that was played incorrectly and that was played heels were playing against it with homophobia you know, or whatever else the but, amount of times I've been told I bet you look back at like the way that Goldust was was shown and mm. you get really angry I bet you look back at Billy and Chuck mm. and you get really really angry and I go absolutely not no because that was then yeah and we don't get to now without recognising that then is wrong yeah and we use it completely we use it I, know, I was watching that as a kid and I was enjoying it yeah Particularly yeah. someone like Goldust, because yeah. I was there going, he's a bit like what I am, but I'm yeah. not really realising yet. Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. something yeah. about this guy that's that's really connecting with me, and this is weird. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I don't care it. if we're getting cheered or booed. I, think I was just points, happy there was there. Yeah, I think at points with all of them, they did some really good stuff, mm. but then there was also points where they did some really ignorant and simplistic and yeah. oversimplification. What was, the, of what was the one on Raw? They had bad. the um, hot lesbian action. Yeah, ludes and stuff like that. Yeah, I look at that and just, oh god, yeah. Thank God yeah. that happened then, so that we can have now is the mindset I choose to have about those. Yeah, things. completely. And again, it's also good to. A lot of people moan about the legends coming back type moments and segments, but as we're recording this, I mean, this will come out in a month or so. But as we're recording this, we've just had SummerSlam, and it was great that Trish Stratus came back and reminded people that, oh, no, I was a really good wrestler. I'm yeah. really, I'm not some old, here's, here's a legend back. So I, I was doing it when they were having hot lesbian action exactly. segments. And I was actually going in there and yeah. having to wrestle and prove myself. So and Closing shows with Lita and that. Yeah, yeah. No, they were, um, it's nice. It is nice to reflect upon that type of stuff because I think we're at the peak era for mainstream women's wrestling, yeah. it's fair to say. But then you did have your Molly Hollies and your Ivories who were incredible yeah. back in the day who just had to make do with your Tori Wilson and Dawn Marie segments because that was selling to their audience. Yeah. And as, as simple and, 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 and wrestling as it may sound, you've got to have something to overcome. That's what makes yeah. the women's movement at the moment a massive achievement because yeah. it was shit once. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what makes it great. You need to have... A heel for the baby face to overthrow yeah. for it to be exciting. And I think it, I know that sounds simplistic because again, it was there was some shit stuff there that's damaging socially and yeah. on TV and things like that. But still, it's it's it, you couldn't have where we are now without that. Exactly, and that's that again. That's that's the mindset I choose to have is that yeah. they, they made mistakes and they got stuff wrong and they did stuff that wouldn't fly now. But um, yeah, if you look at where we're at, yeah, perhaps it was worth it to a point. Yeah, completely. So, so what was your route into from going? Oh, this is quite cool to going. I want to do that because oh. it's weird, particularly at that era in the UK. It's not like it's it's no. not, not like you're going into the school careers counsellor and he's yeah. going. I've checked all the boxes. I think professional wrestler. <laughs> I think maybe you should do that. Um, so I think I got it to like eighteen and went. Ah, oh, fuck! I haven't grown out of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then continued to watch it with. Two, two of my better mates I was at I went off to uni and I'd come back every pay-per-view yeah and it was um, I think it was around about pipe, pipe bomb time as well or something yeah. as well and I was like yeah we're in we are in yeah um, I was a devout Christian during right. uh, my late teens okay um, because I wasn't really willing to sort of look at my sexuality and be that person yet and I was looking for meaning and religion for right or wrong, gives you closure to a point. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and puts the... or uh, gives you reason to not address things you might not have been ready to address Very at that much point. So. It's one of the ugliest things about religion, I think, is that it comfortably puts things in a box and says, no, 
That's, yeah. that's good. No, it's yes or no. It's yeah. yes or no yeah. in many ways with with yeah. religion. But um, I, I think I was angsty teenager trying to find the meaning of life, and everyone goes, you know what? There might not be a meaning to life, yeah. except for religion. That went, well, this is the meaning. So yeah. I went with the conclusive answers. Yeah. Um, and I got so into it, like I was teaching it in secondary schools. Wow. Yeah, it was a big, big part of who I was. And then I went off to, yeah, for a gap year, I used to teach it, man. I think about that now, it's wild. It's mad. Um, and I was seeing someone at the time and then went off to university and it was my second year of university that I separated with that person and realised that despite throwing myself into into religion, yeah. I didn't know how much I could justify the truths it perpetuates anymore. Yeah. And ultimately it wasn't making me happy. Yeah. Because I was just saying no to this voice in my head the whole time. It's a tough one, man, because a lot of people assume that I, I hate religion because of certain songs I've done and things like that. It's like, it's not as simple as that. I think religion can be absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I think it's responsible for some of the greatest progressions in human history yeah. and some of the greatest changes in societal views. But... Again, it's comparable to wrestling. Yeah. It's also responsible for some of the, the worst bits Grace, and yeah. taken to an extreme. Anything taken to an extreme tends to not not, not be great, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I was, yeah, I was into that. And then uh, I had, I separated from this girl I was seeing at the time. And I had this sort of like an epiphany moment of sorts. It wasn't like a realisation. It was just a decision I made to go... You will be active in the things you are passionate about from now. Wicked. Um, it was real cathartic, actually. So I went, I'm going to stop doing the church thing because you, you know you're not passionate about that and you're going to embrace this side of yourself. Yeah. So I started um, going to bars and exploring my sexuality in that way and I signed up to a football team and I started a radio comedy show at university Amazing. and I was just choosing to be fearless and in... And, 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 Choosing to be fearless and happy to fail. Yeah. And with that, also, I started training as a wrestler. Amazing. Um, it didn't last a massive amount of time because that was when my first knee injury went. Right. This was training at a school in Edmonton uh, run by Justin Richards, yep. who's a former FWA champ. That's right. how long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I met a friend of mine called Sebastian at that school. Yeah. Goes by Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, he's... Hilarious. <laughs> I would say he's currently he's what he's one of the greatest l l losses to, to wrestling. I um, yeah, I think he's amazing. I think he's oh man, no one, he, very few people generate a reaction as visceral as he does, yeah. as he did. Yeah, uh, I thought he was sensational. I remember the uh, the first <clears throat> progress shows that we'd go to. Me and my mate Chris were like, this guy is the best because yeah. everyone despises him, mm -hmm. and it's that weird thing of. Growing up in Essex, but being a little punk or metal kid, I've been at the places that I recognise all the wrestling fans from. But in Essex, I've also been at college or wherever with the people that Sebastian was representing, yeah. and I know that they're the en the sworn enemies yeah. as such. Yeah, nah, and the trendies and the it was perfect because that's that was the progress crowd at the time as yeah. well. It was these um, was your sort of twenty thirty somethings uh, nostalgia vibing punks basically, yeah. uh, and he just came out as the antithesis of that and yeah. went, yeah, this makes me better than you. And lived it on, on online as well, the, which was the key part. The best on social media yeah. when he was working. Yeah. The best, the most antagonistic. His his gig was, his act was probably just a, just a troll. Yeah. 
just a jock style, better off troll. Yeah. Uh, and it was sensational. And we were we were the only two people who were particularly tight from that school after the fact that we're still doing it, with the exception of Wolfgang Alexander. He was another one mm-hmm. who was spectacular. He did um, largely family shows yep. um, until he had a family himself. Uh, but he's spectacular. Yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah. There's your po- there's your shout out, Wolfie. Yeah. Um, still, still, just just to, to again, it goes back to the 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 ability or the importance of social media online. Is when Sebastian got injured at Brixton. Yeah. Was knocked unconscious and was was wheeled out on a on a stretcher. Um, number one, he stuck his middle fingers up as he went, which yeah. is just consummate pro. Yeah. Um, but just the the tweet that came after that was just so beautiful because it's like I thought I died. You know, there was a bright light, and I saw um, rows and rows of virgins, and then I realised <laughs> I was just, I was just at a progress show, oh, and it's just it's so good. It's yeah. like I thought I'd gone to heaven. Yeah, yeah. No, he's oh man, he's the best. Um, perfect. So like, so I, I met him there, and then I did my ACL for the first time, and sort of, and went went away. Never really thought I'd come back. Yeah. And then um, friends with him online. Yeah. And then I see him, however many years later, must have been late 2014, I think. This match graphic popped up of him versus Zack Saber Junior, wow. who was one of my favourites ever. Yeah. Is one of my favourites ever. Yeah. And I was just straight in the DMs. How the fuck have you done this? You were never good. <laughs> How has this happened? And he was like, mate, come along. There's this school in uh, Brixton or Stock, uh, Stockwell at the time yeah. uh, called The Projo for a promotion called Progress. They're yeah. interested in developing new talent and they're giving opportunities to us in this show called Endeavour. Yeah. Um, and it will be bigger crowds than you ever worked when you were, when you were first started, yeah. even on this developmental show. So that January of 2015, I was like, yeah, go on then. I think I had another sort of one of those moments of like, you haven't been active enough in the things you're passionate about. Yeah. So let's try this again. Cause you see, always it's easy this. to start. It's easy to have an idea like that yeah. and start. It's a lot harder to then yeah, live that. So you, I've, 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 reflecting and being positive with that reflection, because the amount of times you look back and you just get down is, yeah. is commonplace. Yeah. But if you can look back and then go, right, that's my motivator. Um, and then that popped up and I went, yeah. Yeah, go on then. If he's bloody getting them chances, I've got half a <laughs> yeah. chance as well. And I went to my first training session at the Projo and met a man by the name of Edward Dennis. Yeah. Um, and he sort of took to me. Previous Distraction Pieces guest. Yeah. I've had Eddie on. Very articulate man. Very yeah. smart man. Um, yeah, and he sort of uh, saw a little bit of something in me because I had a few sort of foundations established from my time training before. Yeah. And then within four months, I was on the academy shows the developmental shows yeah. them endeavor shows and it was a real tricky one i remember in, being in conversation with one of the progress promoters uh john briley yeah. about what do you want to do with your persona then because we've recognized the talent yeah but what's the act um <clears throat> i think my first first thing i said was sam sparks sparks flies right and he went that's fucking awful <laughs> and it was and is uh, I mean, the beauty is that, or, or for better or worse, John will not pull any punches no, on such I, things. Got, he will be very open with his I do positive or negative opinions. There's never blow smoke, it. nothing like that. No? Never, never, oh, we'll think about it. No, yeah. that's bad. Yeah, that's rubbish. <laughs> and then um, 
it came, and then the second I saw him message, he said, "Do you got anything else?" And Jack Sexsmith came to me like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so I said the name because there was a, I used to love the OC. Yeah. The TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a singer in it from their Christmas episode called Ron Sexsmith, and that name always made me laugh. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, Sexsmith, but like a bit of a la- Jack Jack the Lad Sexsmith. Yeah. yeah, Jack Sexsmith. And he was like, go on. And I went, sexually frivolous, morally ambiguous, just like came to me. And he went, cool, we'll run with that. Yeah. And I had something like three days to get gear made for this character that we just invented. Amazing. And couldn't get gear made. So I bought a set of a luminous yellow banana hammock Calvin Klein's <laughs> and just went, yeah, yeah, I'll be the sex guy then. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I wasn't sure whether I would be showing uh, – to how much of my sexuality I'd allow myself to show at that yeah. time because um, it was still a very new experience to me. I was still reintroducing mm-hmm. myself and probably more anxious about performing and not shitting the bed than I was about actually making any sort of statements or connecting at the time. Of course, yeah. Uh, and then we got a few shows in. I think it was after the singles match I had with Eddie Dennis yeah. where I was like, guys, I think I want to really, really embrace the real more of Ryan through yeah. Jack. Yeah, yeah. Um and I actually think we could do a lot here. However, as a quartet with the three progress promoters, we need to make sure we market this as correctly as possible. That's because great, that's great foresight to say, look, was, we need to make this right. And that's the, that's again it's a tough thing with independent wrestling, because you're an independent contractor and therefore you're working at a different places a lot of different places so it can be hard or you have to be bold to take control of the storyline and the narrative mm. it's easy to be slotted in a load of places and you're not really sure how it's coming across so it's on the individual to go here's who I am here's what I want to be this is what we have to make work the- and with a character like that it's all the more important to have that 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 driver's str- strictness on look, we need to get this right. Yeah, I think, can't be. Here's the funny gay guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think at at first, whilst I very much was that, there was a purpose to it because I couldn't hand on heart recall seeing a queer culture protagonist mm-hmm. in professional wrestling anywhere. Mm-hmm. Not someone who truly embraced his sexuality and was loved for it or in spite of it. Yeah. So I think that was that was the mission statement that I set out with Progress at yeah. the time. Let's do something different here. Let's do something real. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's force a change of sorts. And th- at the start, because I knew my skill set wasn't in keeping with the talent that was on Progress, yeah. it was at the, at the start I did lean on comedy and my mindset to that was to be digestible. Yeah. Because we're dealing with... Uh, 800 people's most of the time at progress shows, some of which may not know me. This may be the first time they see me, some of which may be slightly unsettled by queer culture at the time. But if I can be likable to them, yep. and then we get to a position where we've won them over and be endearing, but through being endearing, then we can really start to run with this and do something real. It's being clever and tactical with it, right? Because, again, it's, 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 it's wrestling and you've not yeah. got... You're not necessarily always mic'd up or whatever. You've not got TV. So there has to be a level of broad strokes to get these ideas across. Then you can add the the beauty of people like... I remember the the first person 
or the first people seeing it live was Pete Dunne and Trent Seven. Just you can add the tiny little nuances. A TK is amazing as well that only a couple of people will see. But for those who see it, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But to get that wider story across or character across, you need to have those bigger and, and, and broader strokes and you need to ease people into it. It's an issue I discuss this a lot because a lot of people I know um, are really doing a lot of work to make change of the perception of, of sex work and, and mm-hmm. sex workers. And I think they're doing some amazing things. But one of the discussions I often br- bring up is using the term sex work. That's still not a term that everyone is aware doesn't mean uh, what is actually full service sex work or you would be called ignorantly prostitution or hookers or whatever else that sex work is a far broader thing and it can be anyone in the industry now the problem there is if you're using the shorthand of sex work for all your causes then Mm -hmm. the people who are ignorant ignorant to it aren't going to have learned that so they're just going to think that you're pushing for the rights of full service sex workers which is valid, but you're pushing for everyone. So it then becomes this this blurred, um, muddied water at times when you're trying to do something positive. So I completely understand that you have to go, right, uh, let's do this in stages. Yeah. I need them to like a gay person. Yeah. That's my first target. That that's that's as, as simple as that. I need to be lovable, enjoyable. If I make them laugh, if I make them cry, whatever else. Once they like me, I can then push their emotional investment yeah. and really explore the depths of that character, the depths of how far I can take the audience. And dear God, did they embrace you. That must have been an amazing thing when that started to click because that was yeah. they, they were they were they adored Jack. They, they yeah, we got them there, man. And I'm I'm really proud to be able to say that that we worked collectively to get to that point. The one the one that really won it over was um me and TK yeah. had had a um <clears throat> a tete-a-tete, if yes. you will. He was um, being valeted and vice versa by um, uh, Dahlia Black. Yeah. And I mean, they were in a couple. That was quite a nice reverse because more often than not, he was the valet. Yeah, that was so quite a nice the, flip the, of the, the great system anyway. I, I, what I really liked about that was um, the dynamic of she'd compete in a match and as the antagonist wouldn't be good enough but would always win because at the end TK would come in and knock the other girl out and then scarp her off. Yeah. And at the time, Progress didn't really have any ideas for myself and TK. And yeah. I said, if you're going to run something, let's set something up with me and him. Yeah. Because no one's going to be more outraged than a Jack Sexsmith type. Yeah. yeah at these yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, actions. Yeah. And I remember work. I remember us chatting because we had our first, one of our first Progress chapter shows yeah. was me versus him in a singles. Yeah. And this was two relative unknowns. And I remember seeing it go up on the Progress Wrestling fan uh, group page and the amount of people that said, well, that'll be my piss break then. Right. And just went, oh, we're going to get them, mate. We're yeah. going to absolutely get them. This is a start of something. This is a start yeah. of something. We were just so energised for it. Yeah. Um, we didn't know how far it would go or what we'd get put in moving forward. But after our first match, which I was really happy with, particularly at the time, Trav had aligned with TK, yeah, and that was the birth of the South Pacific Power Trip. Yeah, um, we then I, the next show uh, I had a battle rap with Roy Johnson, which honestly, rapping in a wrestling context is my favourite thing I've ever done. Yeah, I really is. 
it yeah, shouldn't be. But the waste man challenges were always so good. And again, it's that thing of <clears throat> I always love what Regal told Smallman that um, wrestling's a circus. You mm-hmm. need your high flyers, you need your strong men, you need yeah. your clowns. You, yeah. you, you should have a mixture of that. People could say, why is a bloke just coming down and having battle raps with people yeah. in a key slot, in like yeah. in a really good slot? Because it did, it climbed up the card yeah, as well. It it was like, yeah, yeah, it's because yeah. it was amazing, but it's, it's, it's the variation. Yeah. That's what makes it great. Um, I, I, you, you, if you watch eight acoustic singer-songwriters in a row, you can't tell who's good after course. the fourth. Yeah. It's like, it's another one. That it could is. be Adele. That could be yeah, anyone. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's another acoustic singer-songwriter. Yeah. So you need that variation to definitely, appreciate it. Definitely. I've always been a champion of variety on a wrestling show. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So so how was that when you started to get the crowd on board? And, and really on board. Like, there was... Because, again, the, the beauty of social media is it becomes individuals as well. So you had people who would really we did vehemently support Jack as a character. Yeah. I always remember Penny Gotch as <laughs> a supporter yes. of Jack, but also I equally remember as Sebastian just being brutal oh, to like savage. Again mate. I was reveling in it because because it's just it's the beauty of the art of it. I, yeah. When Paul Paul Robinson has people genuinely wanting to get in the ring and fight him. Yeah. He's the it's best, beautiful mate. to me. It's he's beautiful. He's, 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 it's a work of art because he's worked, he's playing his role. He's, he's doing his... He is forced. And no one goes into that building thinking they're going to see real fights, for want of a better way of yeah. saying that. Yeah. Paul Robinson is able to make you suspend your disbelief so much that you want to climb in there and give it a go, yeah. but then realise, actually, this five foot four madman yeah. would probably kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how incredibly good at his job he is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sensational, and then, and it's that raw, visceral, real emotion. Yeah, that was always my drive. I, I was never about the exhibition, all action bouts. In truth, yeah, I didn't want to be some lead role in a Michael Bay film. I wanted to be John McClane. I wanted yeah. to show that vulnerability. I want to be loved without having to do a massive amount. And and I mean, I mean? Cons- considering progress were embracing you quite early on and were one of the biggest companies in in the country at the time, you clicked with those guys and they gave you... You worked well together because the kind of ongoing story of you being the underdog kind of fighting to get that win over Zach Gibson, over over whoever else, and always each time showing that progression and showing that you are worthy but continually falling short... That was a hell of a bit of storytelling over like however many months. That yeah. was to get the opportunity at a big company like that to tell a story like that over these months that it's not just... Because, again, people have to lose so, so often. If you're someone who's losing regularly, you're kind of enhancement talent or a job or, or, or whatever else. So to get to provide the the benefit of being the person that people can come and beat, yeah. but actually make that a storyline and make... A, Build yourself in loss. That's that a dream, right? That was always something in the back of my head was, I don't want to win until yeah. it matters. Yeah. And we make it matter through defeat. Yeah. And I, I, I felt I was different to other wrestlers with that mindset, perhaps. Yeah. Of just going, I'm going to let the vulnerability reign supreme. Yeah. I was getting standing ovations in defeat. Yeah, completely. At the time, which was 
yeah, I made a T-shirt about that eventually. Yeah, I loved it. That's, yeah, cry, standing ovation, leave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, but um, and again, it's it comes st- straight back to what we were saying about the more you pay attention, the more you can get out of any of these things. Um, I remember as a kid hating Ric Flair, mm. and as a grown-up going, "Oh my God, there's a reason he was the best in the world yeah. because he would come to your t- territory." Make your main guy look a million dollars because he'll take a beating all day. Cheat to win so he gets to keep hold of the belt and leave. It's like that's far better than having a Hulk Hogan come in or or whomever come in, beat the crap out of your main guy and leave. Yeah, it's like you get that. That that was the master, the masterfulness of of a character like Flair and Shawn Michaels as well. Someone who can sell for days can make his opponent look amazing by taking a beating like no other. Um, and that's kind of, it's often overlooked, particularly in the indie world of yeah. who can do, who could do the best moves, who's yeah. who can become a gift easiest kind of thing, you know. And then it went back to variety then. Yeah. Because I knew I could provide something on a card that no one else was able to do at the time. Yeah. And that, that story building into strong style was great for me. So yeah. going back to... TK and the South Pacific power trip, yeah. it became relatively apparent that the that me and Roy Johnson yeah. were enhancement for them. Yeah. So I think collectively I faced off against them at least four times and lost four times. Yeah. But the last bout we only got because um, another tag team who the South Pacific power trip was set to face uh, were injured. Yeah. Um, and then they gave us this opportunity to have the last instalment of uh, our feud, uh, and it was a tables match. Yes. Um, it had been voted in by the fans as a tables match, uh, and it meant we got to close the half, which is arguably the best spot on a wrestling show. Yeah. Because nobody's burnt out yet, nobody's too drunk yet, nobody's too tired yet. We can have them at their absolute peak. We can go all out. And then they reset again at the start of the second half. Yeah, exactly. You emotions. get to be the blowout. At so that point. we got we got to have a, the chance to have a real, real big match. And the only reason we had that spot is because it was a tables match, and they had to tidy up afterwards. Yeah. Um, but that match went so well that even in another defeat, myself and Roy developed momentum that progress never expected of us. Yeah. And Jim come up to us after the show, and he said, "We've got this idea for a singles run." And if it goes well, we want to get you into super strong style. Amazing. I was like, cool. Okay. Um, and I knew I had Zach Gibson for my first match on this venture. Yeah. Um, so I think I went into a brief thing with Sebastian, which I yep. adored, just to make me look more credible before we got to the narrative, where I got a pin on him in a Thunder Bastard match, which yep. is an elimination multi-man match. Yep. Um, and he's just spectacular at just... He'd hit me up online and say something horrible to me in a tweet and then he'd DM me going, I left you an in there. Yeah. <laughs> and find it and I'll let you have it. And he would just be great. So I'd, I'd see it and I'd go, I think it was this one. And I'd tweet it and, he, and then he'd show us. He'd be like, oh, my God, how could you? Like, yeah. talk about bringing a gun to a knife. Oh, wow. Like, Brilliant. He, he was spectacular at, make, at allowing you to look good if he was working with you yeah. online. Yeah. Um, and in a ring. Um, I mean, if, if if he's not, he will happily destroy any wrestler oh my, and make yeah. them look absolute. It's yeah. one of my favourite th- things w- 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 when I come back to Twitter 
and there's been a Sebastian. A Sebastian Mate, kind of is, is, is buried people. It's, it's, it's that if, if like, and that's that's how I knew as well. And that's oh, wrestlers, right. fans, a, promoters, anyone. My two of my favourite people in wrestling are TK and Sebastian. Yeah, and they're both dickheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but because we get on well, they want to work. Yeah, and they're willing to show ass for their baby face. Yeah, which not Maybe. everyone is sometimes. Yeah, not everyone is. Um, sorry. So I knew I had Zach Gibson as the first rung of this narrative yeah and i knew i had him eventually if things went well in the first round of super strong style yeah um and with that information we choreographed an ending where i would endure the first ever count out loss in progress history right. for a singles match at yeah. the very least i believe they've only just done that again semi-recently yeah um so that was like something quite cool that yeah, i just, yeah, like, yeah, wanted definitely. to do and we centred it around his big finishing move at the time, the Helter Skelter, because yeah. he had his submission, Shankly Gates, but he's got this Helter Skelter, which is a twisting vertical suplex. Yeah. And I said, just hit me with that on the floor, and I won't be able to physically get back in the ring in time. And that's enough for me to show, I've tried to compete with you as a technician, I haven't been good enough. I've endured your beating, and I've shown fight and fire, but your quality reigns supreme when you have to take it to this level, and I haven't got enough. Yeah. Because... When we come to the match at Strong Style, you'll do it again and I will have enough. So even if us not knowing the result of that match at Strong Style at the time, even then, I've still overcome something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we yeah. had that, I had that in the bank for me, come what may. I love it. Um, and again, it's, there's some beauty there as well because people will, people will sh- shit on certain outcomes and certain scenarios sometimes and forget that there's always a place for them. Mm. A count-out used correctly is, is amazing. Uh, a draw, <clears throat> like when in, in AEW recently, when Darby yeah. and, and, and Cody had that draw. Brilliantly executed. In general, you'd say a draw, it's 50-50 yeah. book and it's trying not to damage anyone, it's yeah. rubbish. That was beautiful. No, in that situation, they did it perfectly. So it's well not done, just it? going, well, we don't want anyone to lose. So yeah. they did it well. And again, it's the same with a count-out in a situation... I like this. It's not saying, oh, we don't want to give the pin or we don't want to do this or that. It's going, no, this is building to, as you said, the beauty of not knowing what the result will be in the next match. You already know that you've got something to overcome. You've you've set yourself a bar to go, here's what I couldn't get past last time. Now, if I get past that, it's win-win. Yeah, Yeah. I've already already set that up. Yeah, I I had that in mind. Uh, And I was chuffed at my matches where I was trying to show progression building into that yeah. had gone really, really well. Yeah. Um and I had a, a real ma- a really nice match with Travis Banks yeah. at the ballroom that um Trav was just starting out in this babyface run and he'd go on to win that super strong style tournament that yeah. year. And the business by the end of that match was that Jack Sexsmith would look like a credible opponent yeah. and that Travis Banks would be a full blown babyface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then come the end of that match we'd achieved that business and we were so happy yeah so happy and then i had my qualifier to get into super strong star 16 and paul robinson who uh as i say is active now and is the best thing possibly in the world right now his promo at that last point i've got got an issue with that i find that really interesting okay um we'll get into that we'll get into that one yeah um he hand-picked me to be his last match because he knew he wasn't well and had to go away for a while. Right. He said, I will put him over in my last match. Yeah. And that is arguably the best compliment I've ever had in wrestling. It's, be- it's beautiful, right? Knowing that he's 
the most hateable heel. It's like, well, this is who I need to put over. This yeah. this, this is a, a star maker. And, uh, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to do something in what he thought would be his last match. Yeah. And wow, just wow. I was so humbled by that. Yeah. So humbled. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was part one. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. Part two, you're definitely going to want to listen to because there's some some scandal. There's some some surprising information revealed that I didn't know. And I mean, there's there's some discussion in part two, as you will hear, that me and Jack don't 100% agree on, but it's... I fucking, I'm swearing. I love Jack. I think he's he's great, and that's why I felt comfortable saying yeah, I don't really agree with that. And we and we discussed it because we're reasonable people. Um, a lot of people who are listening, who are part of the Brit Wrestling Twitter c- c- community, may be shocked at the um, comfortableness of people agreeing to agreeing to disagree or being comfortable disagreeing. Um, but yeah, let's get into part two. So. Yeah, part two will be out at midday. If you're, if it's already gone midday, it's out now. So, so, so go and have a listen. I'll see you then.